Asher, thanks so much for being here, man. Thanks Coming for having all me. the way out from New York to spend a little time in San Francisco. Welcome. Uh, so Trust Capital, fund out of New York City. Tell me a little bit about the thesis. What's the strategy behind it? Our firm was co-founded by, um, by myself and my partner, David Hess. And David's a two-time cancer survivor. Okay. Okay, so it, it all kind of goes back to that. And his last treatment was 2002 when he was clear. Um, and they put him on a synthetic THC, oh. Marinol. Oh. And that helped him tremendously. Um, and from that, he developed this pretty serious and strong interest in promoting cannabis as a medicine and elevating the industry. And so back in the early 2000s, he was starting to kind of get in, in, that, in that theme of things and learning and you know, going to the, the MJ BizCons you know, when there were a few hundred people there. Yep. Um, and developing a network, developing deal flow. And when I met David in the summer of 2013, he had just done a deal on one of the six licenses granted by the state of New Jersey for medical production and distribution. Okay. Um, and after that point, um, that's kind of around when we met. And David had started to get a lot more interest and get more deal flow and people looking to come in on those deals. Why didn't you bring me in on that, that operation in yep. New Jersey? Yeah. Um, you know, it's a state with six licenses. People want, people want it. Sure. Um, so we decided to partner up, David, with his expertise in cannabis and my background in finance mm -hmm. to, to build what we thought was needed at that time, what we would have wanted for ourselves and what we were hearing from investors, which was a proper investment management platform like you would see in any other industry in cannabis. It shouldn't, it shouldn't look like weed. It should look like a proper investment management platform that's, that's got the bells and whistles that it should Yep. And it's got the proper levels of transparency, compliance, um, attention to regulatory issues, both on the security side and the industry side. Yep. At that, these kind of things were just not the big conversations of the day. You know, the Bloombergs, these guys were not looking or touching, you know, the industry in terms of putting out articles and research about them. Fast forward now, we've come to a point where now you have the Bloombergs, you know, you have Cowan covering the industry. Um, Merrill Bank of America putting out research promoting the industry mm -hmm. um, you know so we've come a long way in those few years and and our thesis was build an institutional grade investment management platform with a group that's embedded in the industry mm -hmm. um, so that we're kind of in tune on the floor right with the actual operators and the businesses yeah so the reason that some of the big institutions were and still aren't interested is because there's a tremendous amount of risk and uncertainty around investing in cannabis still. I mean, a guy like you that has a rich background in finance, I look at you're the managing director of some LPs and you know, like some big stuff. Why cannabis? I mean, why, why get into this? Yeah, um, you know, I've, I've, I've been a trader for a long time. Um, and, you know, in the markets, you, 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 you learn to sense patterns. Um, and from, a, from an economic standpoint, uh, for me, what I was sensing after I met David and really looking to the industry was I was sensing palpable increase in positive news flow um, from all sides of the industry, from all sorts of news sources mm -hmm. that would never talk about it. That was really interesting. And you could really feel the, the sense that, of the acceptance coming. And the, so those patterns were starting to, to me, becoming very apparent sure. and 
I'm not one much bothered by optics of things. Mm. So when you see, you know, the $50 billion total industry in America right now, including the illegal side, and you understand that you have the legal industry being, you know, these days around a little over 10% of that, um, we could do a lot of good moving an illegal market into a legal framework, creating jobs, helping kids, right? Um, You know, taking drug dealers off the street. I prefer if my kid, when he's 16 years old, is not able to go you know, down the block and buy at least untested products, right? They, yep. We don't know what's in them, yep. right? These days we know about the pesticides and all these issues. So there's scary. a lot of social reasons why it's important. If, if you yeah. take street drugs, uh, cannabis included, you don't know what you're getting, and that's, that can be scary shit, honestly. Yeah. It really is scary. Um, okay, so you meet David. He's got this great cannabis domain expertise. You guys say, hey, I'm going to start a fund. We've got this great deal flow, whatever. Where do you go raise the money from? So we had a, a network of investors just in our social circles and professionally. Um, but what we first, we kind of did things backwards. We didn't go and say, hey, let's go raise a bunch of money to invest. Let's first build the right car. Mm-hmm. So we put together a plan and we raised money for our own company so that we can build out a proper scalable infrastructure, which was going to be needed if you are gearing up for the institutional capital penetration into the market, Mm -hmm. right? You need to be able to handle that kind of scale and the demands of institutional investors, right? So, you know, that that was a very important driver as to how we were gonna build it out. Um, And then over time to build our deal flow pipelines, both domestically and internationally, which is just a natural um, development of what we're doing. Yep. Um, and one of those pieces that you were talking about before is sort of this middleman that sort of handles the exchange of the funds and almost like a like an escrow. Can you tell us about that? A little yeah, bit? sure. So um, our funds are administered by an independent third-party company that handles all the accounting for the funds, or the cash movements of the funds, to provide that separate check and balance that provides investors comfort that they know that things are separated just like they are in government, yep. as they ought to be. Not to say the government works perfectly. I'm not sure if that was the best analogy, but same point. As know. it was designed. Yes, anyway. exactly. Yeah. Um, and so the company that we would do this with is called SSNC, mm-hmm. and they do this for over a trillion dollars. So wow. you have major institutions who use this kind of administrator. And so for us, as we built Tress, it was important to us to send the message that this is an institutional grade platform. And when you see our administrator, our auditor, it's somebody who you are very comfortable with. Got it. Right? Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. And then how do they get compensated? How does a, a third party get compensated? The investors, well, the investors pay for the expenses of the funds, right? That's yeah. very standard practice. Um, and so and that's it. And it's based like on a transaction or like It's a, based on, it's, it's a whole range of variables in, in a contract like that, you know, in an administration agreement, what tasks they're handling, right? One of the things besides for investors wanting it is you may want to outsource that if it's not your core competency Mm -hmm. so that you could focus on things like helping develop companies in the industry, right? Which is what we're about. Got it. So did it work? Are there some institutions that that invested in Trust Capital? So we recently recently had a hedge fund that came along and said they wanted to invest with us um, and we we structured a vehicle special for them. Uh And so now they come invest through us and they have invested in... Um, recent account they opened with us. They invested in a deal that we recently did. Cool. Um, and they'll be expanding that portfolio. And we're seeing more and more institutional interest. Um, 
made from. It's it's interesting. You know, it used to be a lot more family office, high net worth, and yep. I think everybody's seeing it. It's, it's not just us, obviously, that the institutions are coming along. And you know, I share with people that if we plotted the average, you know, assets under management of all the firms that we talk to, you'd see a steep rising curve over this last several months. Yep. Uh, you know, deeper pockets of capital getting more interested, and and we see more sophisticated people coming into the space asking questions. Yeah. How big was the legalization in California for for institutions? I think it's I think it's pretty big because Massive, yeah. yeah I mean it, you know it's um, there are counterbalances right you know the same day was Trump which is, which means Jeff Sessions right which is tonight actually yeah yeah um, so you know they're all different variables like their recipe play into the mix of things. Yeah, I mean, I think in California, I'm just insulated. Everybody only cares about California, right? Yeah. But but I wonder, you know, coming from New York and sort of the traditional investment world, like, is that just a huge windfall? Is that just something that makes everybody real comfy? You know, it, it does. For the yeah. people that are involved in the space, that variable alone is obviously major. You know, yeah. it's putting the biggest the biggest player behind you. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, you know, we're a country over here in California, right? Absolutely. Um, so. There's a lot of people around here that would prefer to be a country. <laughs> well, you brought up politics, so I got to go there. Uh, Trump and Sessions and the impending doom that everybody in the cannabis industry, at least uncertainty, if not doom. How do you view that? Is this going to be a big problem? You know, in these past years that I've been in the industry, I've never experienced certainty. Mm. Um, so I'd start with that, mm. right? You know, there is there is no certainty here. Um I like to think that the administration will support the will of the people, mm. um, and the administration has, you know, kind of indicated that immigration is the real, real push. Sure. And when you go through the the different topics discussed by Trump, he has never talked about this being a topic he has problem with, mm-hmm. um, or that is a priority for his administration. Not that they can't change under anything can change under a Trump sure. in five minutes. Yeah, and I think the problem is what we've seen with his other cabinet members is that they kind of do whatever they want, regardless of what Trump says. So it's kind of unclear whether Sessions, who has openly said good people don't smoke marijuana, right, is going to kind of go down the Trump route, which I think Trump ultimately cares the most about money. So this is a huge revenue driver. If he's a classic conservative, it's also a state's rights issue. Yeah. Um, but a lot of uncertainty there. Yeah. So as an investor, I mean, look, yeah, with great risk can come great return, which is great. Uh, But I think it's a question more of how you how you deal with that risk. Right. It's, you know, first you have to identify what the risks are in the market. Right. Mm -hmm. Ideally, you can measure them. Not always like this, perhaps. Um, And you try to see how you're going to mitigate those risks or how you're going to deal with them. What am I going to do? If Jeff Sessions does X, Y, Z, if the administration does this, or what if they do this, how will that affect, how will that impact the investments we have, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Some of those things you decide are risks worth taking, yep. you know, as an investor, and some of those things you can mitigate in certain ways by perhaps the kind of companies you invest in. Perhaps you might say the risk with Jeff Sessions is more on the on the rec side, right? Sure. The adult use side. Mm-hmm. So perhaps someone might decide to focus more on medical, right? Or focus on real estate and biotech with that kind of risk in play. That's less exposed to that, right? So Well, that's an excellent yeah. transition into your portfolio. Uh, just from looking at it, there's two ancillary businesses, right? SC Labs is a, is a touching the plant, right? That's a big testing laboratory. But both Baker and Headset uh, are ancillary businesses, so not touching the plant. So you yeah. sort of de-risk those investments to a certain extent, right? Yeah, I would say, you know, we 
our, our portfolio on whole over time will most likely continue to be majority ancillary companies. Our focus is on infrastructure. We'll invest end to end, we'll touch flower. We're negotiating deals and cultivation, both domestically and internationally, but our focus is on infrastructure and data, a la headset. Yep. Um, or lab testing, like SC Labs, yep. um, is you know perfect example of what we consider infrastructure. You know, SC Labs to us is is the perfect model of explaining um, what an infrastructure company might mean sure. in cannabis. You know, sure. when we're speaking to private equity firms and venture firms, people outside the space, they don't necessarily understand what does it mean infrastructure company in cannabis, right? And so you what know, you explain, right, you explain mean, that. Yeah. You got to you have to explain the infrastructure, the supply chain. What's underneath? It's not just, you know, grows and a dispensary. Yep. There's an entire industry of people and infrastructure underneath that. Mm-hmm. So SC Labs infrastructure play, headset, kind of the data infrastructure play. Sai's been on the show before, big fan of theirs. Yeah. Uh, also great to have someone with some great domain expertise and an exit. That always makes it easier yeah. to write the check, right? Um, Baker is not someone that's been on the show, but something I've been following for some time. A tremendous amount of competition in that space what was it about baker that kind of set it uh, set it apart the people the people to us it was a no-brainer um, well you know after some time with the people joel milton and his team um and uh, just spent some time with joel two days ago here in san francisco cool. uh, at his office um it, it was just fairly um clear to us you know that this was going to be a successful enterprise that's how we saw it um, and so we invested in an early round of theirs on behalf of our own management company. Got it. Yeah. And then what's the average check size? I mean, what do you do in a banker? Uh, in a, well, overall, an average check size, I think in the seed stage, right, we looked kind of anywhere from zero on up to a quarter million, half a million, depending on how much of a round we are taking, okay. right? We might help a company structure um, a seed round and we might take that whole round. So it might look like a, a bigger bite size than one might think yep. if we're taking the whole round. Yep. Um, on the growth capital side, you're probably looking at 500,000 anywhere and up, let's say 10 million. Got it. Um, and we'll try to keep reserves, when we make investments, we'll try to keep reserves beside for the support of those companies for additional financing needs. Got it, yeah, that makes sense. Follow on rounds and et cetera. And especially in our case, you know, in our industry, there's. It's not, you know, it's not only those following rounds, there are all these interim opportunities that companies have these days to scale and these opportunities come and go so fast in our space. And if you are constrained by capital, like almost everyone is in the space, yep. you know, you're, you're limited to what you, you can do, right? Yep. Um, so we, you know, we want to mitigate those limits that companies we work with have and so that there are you know, minimal barriers to, you know, to rising. Got it. So give or take 50 to half a million size check. Yeah. How many times a year? Increasingly. Okay. Um, and you know, we are we're raising a fund vehicle right now in addition to transactions that we've previously done. Okay. Um, but for us, we, you know, we don't have only a fund. Rather, we work with investors as an industry partner. So okay. for us, it's a little bit of a hard metric to, to, to track like that. Um, we have investors come along and they, you know, they want to deploy X dollars in this part of the industry in this way. And so we're there to help create custom vehicles and structure and vet those deals. That's a lot of what we do. 
So someone's not actually investing in your fund. Like you don't maintain a large AUM or something like that. These are customized deals for individuals that are interested. Both. 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 Yeah, okay. we have a fund platform. Okay. Right. Um, and then we also have kind of bespoke, you know, private client uh, services. Right. Got it. Because for us, the most important thing is yes, capital is important, but we want the right investors who can really help us add value that have a lot more operational expertise or different core competencies than we have within our own firm. Yep. So when we bring those kind of investors in, it's really valuable for us and valuable for the companies and people we're investing in. Sure. So in that vein, we want to accommodate the structuring needs that they have to help them get into the cannabis market, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, and so that, that covers that range. Yeah. So the sort of added values beyond the money is something that gets tossed around quite a bit. Um, I think like the A16Zs of the world are really good at this, you know, marketing and recruiting. What does that mean for you guys? I mean, if you have a portfolio company, what additionally do they get from you? Yeah, um, I mean, there there's a lot there. Um, and a lot of it is holistic. Um, and a lot of it's just through our standard operating practice, right? Which is we are bringing the cannabis market to the institutional world. So for example, recently we, we worked with Bloomberg in New York City to put on their first cannabis panel okay. um, in front of an institutional and family office audience at Bloomberg's offices. Um, so with that, we are bringing people from the companies that we work with into that world, into um, to that exposure. So this audience and the mainstream Wall Street world can learn what the cannabis leadership really is about, mm -hmm. right? Who is this? So when we did, um, you know, the, this Bloomberg event in New York City, Jeff Gray, CEO of SC Labs, attended, right? He came to New York City to be part of this event. So when we had a couple hundred institutional Wall Street people um, with Jeff Gray talking about cannabis, lab testing, California, um, to this kind of audience, well, Jeff Gray is a very articulate gentleman. He knows his business very well and he knows the industry very well. Yep. For Wall Street to see that this is a face of cannabis, changes their look on cannabis sure. and their you know their can change their willingness to execute faster sure right so that's an example so we provide this exposure and promotion in the institutional wall street world helping kind of buttress those firms ability to raise financings in the future um, helping on their exit multiples and valuations as trust is built on the institutional side over time as these companies grow yeah it's very interesting i mean this show sort of has a similar mission we we try to destigmatize this industry as much as possible um, so that people may be comfortable writing that check or just comfortable that their their kid has started a cannabis company, you know, kind of bringing it into the, the mainstream here, something yeah. that we really focus yeah. on a lot. Um, let's talk about deal flow for a few minutes. Yeah. Uh, by my estimation, there's about five good cannabis deals a year and everybody fights over them. Is that what you're seeing? Our experience is different. Um, we have a pretty deep deal flow pipeline. Okay. Um, our favorite deals tend to be ones that we originate at home, like in SC Labs. Okay. There was, you know, there wasn't chasing around the street and term sheets, comp you know, competing. Was, this was a relationship that was built, um, a partnership that was built. Um, you know, we really learned about the company and they learned about Awesome and we each saw where the value could be added. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't a competition thing. This was, you know, we're in a relationship. 
um, you know, so if companies want to be in a relationship with another one, just like humans, sure. right? Then now you have something to go on, right? Um, so we haven't experienced that because the people who we tend to work with on the deals that we structure, which are those proprietary deals, they tend to specifically want to work with us. I see. So it's it, we don't experience that particular dynamic, um, or we haven't yet. Well, good I'm, for I'm you. sure I'm sure we will find ourselves in that situation where. There will be other parties who, you know, will, will compete over deals. Hopefully, it'll be more of a collegiate co-investment atmosphere where we're all trying to elevate uh, together, you know? All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about what you're what you're looking for then, I guess. Uh, you must get a lot of decks, a lot of email, a lot of people. I mean, we do. Yeah. So you must because you're actually writing the checks, right? Uh, what do you look for? Or I guess maybe I should ask the question differently. What's a red flag? You know, what should founders not include in their email or in their deck or whatever? That's a good question. Yeah. Um, what should they not include? You know, what's what's something you read and you're just like, oh my God. Like, I'll tell you one thing that really yeah. bothers me is like when they tell me how big the cannabis opportunity is, I'm like, dude, I know weed's a big thing. Like, you don't have to remind yes, me. Yes, yeah. Know, yeah. Um, one of the things is, um, is that we see a lot is we are the first one to do this. And what happens is, is that we scratch our heads because we, we met five people over the past two months who also did this thing as the first people to do that. Right. So you need to respect that there's a whole market out there and you can't see all of it. Mm-hmm. Right? We can't see all of us. None of us can see all of it at one time. Yep. Right? But yep. we, we put together a canvas to kind of give us a broad view of it. Right? Yep. Um, sometimes operators on the ground who have really great perspective that you know, people who are not on the ground don't have, also it's sometimes harder to get that canvas you know, more broadly. Um, so they find themselves you know, doing things like that, which is it's not, it's, you know, People should be aware of these things, and I think that should be a natural thing. So that that's a turn off when I see things like that. Um, and it's not. Well, it's, it shows sometimes it's true. Research. Sometimes it's true. Rarely, but you know, you yeah. can't know for sure, right? Um, because there could be somebody in their garage building a company called Apple or Hewlett Packard, right? Sure. Yeah, it kind of speaks to a trap that I think a lot of founders, first-time founders, fall into, which is they think that being first or unique is the most important factor when execution clearly is the much more important factor here. Yeah. Is that consistent with your thesis? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's consistent with the investments we've made and yeah. the people who are running those companies. They yeah. have been people who have been proven to be able to execute and we're seeing them execute in real time, Got it. for sure. Yeah. So of all the different decks and deals that you see, what kind of segments interest you? We talked about ancillary a little bit, but is there a couple segments that you're really excited about? Um, we are really excited about lab testing, so you know we'll we will continue to support SC Labs yep. in a significant manner. Yeah, um, we do have a lot of real estate background internally and around our table, and we have a lot of investors who are major um, real estate names. Yeah, so real estate is an area that will be a natural um, flow for us. So we're in talks um, regarding a couple of joint ventures in that area. Um, so you know when, when we're ready and we have the the right setup, we'll bring that to market. Um, and you know, defensible businesses, defensible businesses right, that that can withstand you know the ebb and flow of the markets, yep. right? And with the right people, I mean that's that's number one for us, the right yep. people. Yeah. How valuable are incubators to you? 
I suppose they're valuable for the people who, you know, who achieve value from them, right? And, you know, we, we both know companies that came through incubators in the space um, that have seen pretty good success thus far. Mm-hmm. Um, and when that happens, it's, it's extremely good for the incubator, yeah. you know, because those deals are um, very favorable toward the incubators. Yep. Yeah. Uh, obviously. For sure. Um, hey, but, you know, if, if there's an incubator that genuinely adds value for the entrepreneur um, and can really help take them to this other stage that they can't get to on their own, um, then there is value. And if there is value, then there's a conversation to be had and there's nothing wrong with that. That's a good thing. People who are adding value should be compensated for that. And you know, it should be good feelings all around the table for everybody. In yeah, business. absolutely. No, I think some incubators provide real value. Yeah, um, I'm a mentor at the Gateway Incubator, not just a yeah. plug, but uh, I think that they actually do provide real value. They see the world similarly to I do, and they have a pretty rich tech background, yeah. which kind of leads to that. Yeah, we've heard good things. How closely do you pay attention to what comes out of Gateway or Canopy or ArcView or whatever else? We pay attention to the sector. On a whole, um, but specifically out of the incubators. Like when they have a demo day, like is that a thing? Is that a deal? It's for you? not something yeah. we've we've ever spent time on. Yeah, um, we're more inclined to call from whatever the pipeline of information, deal flow, and network and opportunities that are coming through our nucleus mm-hmm. um, before we venture out in that world. It's you know for us, it's opportunities that are out there in the marketplace already. Not always, but often are lesser good opportunities. You know, it's thinking of it like real estate, there's the MLS and then there's off market. Sure. Right? So you have a more inefficient and interesting opportunities often in the off market world and our focus is more there. Yep. While we invest, you know, around the table. Got it. Let's talk about New York for a minute. Uh, it makes sense that the finance sector in New York would explode in, in cannabis, but what about the New York cannabis scene? I mean, you know, is there a vibrant founder cannabis environment? You know, I mean, they, they have medical, but it's really strict still. I mean, what's kind of your, what's the vibe there? Yeah, uh, my, my partner is the expert on this and he has the relationships with the New York entities. Sure. Um, but I can tell you that the New York entities, for the most part, or all are losing a significant amount of money um, just on an operating basis. And it's not necessarily unexpected that the market's not there yet. You know, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, not necessarily for those companies if they didn't plan right and yep. didn't you know plan to expect that. Sure. Um, and we're already seeing some turnover in the licenses in New York. There are only five. Mm. Um, but over time, I mean, that market will grow to a much bigger market. Right now, um, you know, they're opening up to where nurses can provide the recommendations. That itself, these little details or details that might seem little, are obviously big. When you allow, let's say, a nurse to provide a recommendation to purchase cannabis at a dispensary, right? that creates a much bigger market, right, yeah. than if it has that barrier level up. Sure. Um, and when they add more ailments, you know, and consideration of rec, whenever that might happen. Right. Um, but the market will grow over time, but it's a, it's a slow-moving market. Yeah. yeah. I want to close with a prediction, if you will. You said that much of the industry is still constrained by cash, uh, and that's largely because there aren't many big funds, LPs, that really want to put money into this yet. What needs to change? What needs to happen for this to be like anything else? You know, how do we get the teachers union and the big, big LPs to, to put money into this? I mean, changes on the federal side, I think, are you know the single largest factor, and I'm not saying anything surprising there. Yeah. Um, 
but I could tell you we're seeing larger and larger institutions coming along and I don't know that the change you know is necessarily going to go exactly along with the institutions coming in we're seeing them start we're talking to people who are on the institutional side who are quietly deploying significant chunks of capital mm. that people are not hearing about out in the papers they're not the named funds they're not the strategic players you know and their entity might be TQ123 you know LLC and they've deployed 75 million dollars yeah and nobody knows about it yeah um, there's a lot of that going around and we're, we're getting calls from multi-billion dollar institutions talking about the space so it's coming it's either coming. way and you know our view is you can be in invested in the market today or you can be invested in the market of tomorrow sure. which has different risk return parameters sure. if you want to be able to capitalize on that generational upside and be part of the good the social good that's happening the impact and you want to have impact uh, I would say now is a good time it's now you know? yeah it's now. Well, I couldn't think of anywhere better to close than invest now. <laughs> uh, thanks, uh, thanks for being on. Thanks for coming out to San Francisco and seeing us. Thank you us. very much for having me. Really nice to meet you. Great to meet people that are putting a lot of thought into this industry because that's where the future is. So thank you for uh, thank you being very smart much. and awesome. And nice <laughs> to meet you, man. Thank you very much. Thanks appreciate so much. It. Yeah, no, thank much you. appreciated. And uh, thanks for watching, guys. We'll see you next time.